America and good afternoon, Australia. You're back listening to Tony Lontis live on Radio Tony Everyday Business. Now, for those of you that are listening live online on Facebook, YouTube, Twitch and uh, LinkedIn, just know that Peo is listening live online and he's ready to answer any of your questions. He's also ready to send you any links from the discussion on the show today and we look forward to interacting with you today. Now, for those of you uh, who are new to the show, each week Everyday Business interviews someone prominent in the business world and I love talking to female leaders from across the planet. This wonderful lady today is a particular favourite of mine and I can't wait for our conversation today. So let me tell you a little bit about Julie Trell. Julie is the country lead Australia for SheEO after helping to launch it in the US. She has been challenging and inventing norms, inverting rather norms throughout her career, making waves with her fresh perspective and innovative thinking. When she redesigned a previous job title to Vice President of All Things Fun, meaningful and rewarding at Salesforce Foundation, it was a powerful reinforcement of her values, which quickly become an integral part of the workplace culture around her. Julie's career has centred around building connections between people, programs and ecosystems. She describes herself as the human API, capturing her ability to utilise her network to empower startups by spotting opportunities and acting as a catalyst for growth and development. She's currently building her playful purpose practice. That's a tongue twister. Engaging leaders in every stage and experience level to use their other AI to become more competent, empathetic and adaptive. Um, This interview today I've been looking forward to for a long time and Julie's a very busy gal so it's taken us a little while to get her live online and I'm wonderfully grateful to have Julie here today. Good good evening, good afternoon Julie. Good evening, afternoon. Good evening and good afternoon. I'm excited too. You're making me feel so welcome and um, thank you. Absolutely. Now, just listeners, before we jumped on the show, I got to meet Julie's gorgeous puppy dog who is sitting at her feet. Now, I don't mind if we have dog appearances on our interview. So listeners and watchers, don't be alarmed if this beautiful dog jumps up to give her mummy a kiss while we're having our interview. Julie, what brings an amazing American gal to Australia in the first place? The short answer is serendipity, <laughs> flip-flops, and a love letter to Mary Poppins. So that's right. the short answer. The longer okay. answer is, I... <laughs> do, you want, do you want to dig? Do you want to ask questions in, into those Absolutely. three? Absolutely. I, like, I would like the long answer because okay. it's a fascinating story and I want the audience to know what brought you from across the shores to our shores. Yeah. For which so, we're very grateful. Yeah, well, I'm thrilled to be here and get to meet wonderful women like you and wonderful people on the other side of the world. Um, So what happened was a friend of mine in London posted on her Facebook that her friend in Sydney was looking for someone to fill her flip flops. So this woman is English. So in in Australia, they call flip flops thongs. 
So it would have been yes. very different if it said looking for someone to fill my thongs. So I said yeah, to myself, yeah. interesting. Yeah, I like flip flops. So I'm going to reach out and see what this is all about. And um, so Annie Parker, my predecessor, was talking about this role to be to fill her flip flops. She wore flip flops everywhere uh, to run the corporate accelerator for Telstra, Telstra being the large uh, telecoms down here. And I was like, oh, that's kind of interesting. And I put my yes and hat on, which I hope we'll get to later. Put my yes hat, yes and hat on. I was like, I'm going to have this conversation. This sounds interesting. And she explained what the role was. And it's working with founders in the startup ecosystem. And it was all very, very exciting. And I went to sleep that night. And I imagined myself in Australia. And it was great and uh-huh. wonderful. And then I woke up. And I'm like, who do you think you are? You've never been a founder. You can't run this program. You know, that voice, her, the imposter voice, her name is Beatrice. So I put her aside. I put her aside and I can only imagine you've mentioned the the Harvard study where men will apply for roles where they only have, you know, a limited amount of the, the, um, skill set. So I said, I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to continue to have these conversations. So I kept saying yes. And she took a, chance on me and flew me down to Australia. It was beautiful. It was perfect. I couldn't have been a more perfect sales pitch. And so I came down here. Now, this job description that I read was very heart centered and heartfelt. And because someone had told her to write a love letter to your next to the person you want to hire, which is a practice I now Mm -hmm. use. What's the love letter of who you want? And it was something like, look, someone who has the gravitas to work with corporates is more excited about others than their own personal gain, um, believes in the startup ecosystem. I'm like, okay, tick, tick, tick. So these were really intangible skill sets. And it was this beautiful letter. So I came down here, settled in all things. Three weeks later, I then read the Telstra job description for the same role. Which was very, it was the same job, but written very differently. So that's why I say it was a love letter to Mary Poppins because um, showed up. It's what she wanted, like the kids, Jane and Mary wrote for the Mary Poppins to show up versus what uh, Mr. Banks wrote. So that's how I got here. Um, I want to explore that whole concept of uh, corporate and heart-centered and how it's different and how it's going to change the world, Julie. Yeah, so it was really eye-opening for me moving from San Francisco and I literally say I grew up at Salesforce in the corporate world up up there, which was very forward-thinking. CEO Mark Benioff, that's also another serendipitous conversation how I got that role. But I came down here and chose to not really reinvent myself, but be who I really wanted to be. And play was my word, play and curiosity. And we need more of it. I was a former classroom teacher as well. So we need to have more of that growth mindset. And I didn't know any better. I didn't, you know, I didn't have the curse of knowledge, which was helpful, but I did, when I did come down here, people were warning that Australia is very misogynistic and racist. So, you know, I held that. But I chose not to seek it out. I chose to to show up differently. And so I would do um, this this game and play stuff. It's it's what we we used to do as kids to learn, to grow, to to progress. Why can't we? We should still be doing it. So, for example, I was at this wonderful uh, leadership offsite and we had we had to read case studies and then report back. And I said, let's have fun with this. Instead of just reading the case study and having conversation, let's be a human PowerPoint. And <laughs> yes, 
I just brought it up and I created these safe space and they were all senior leaders at, at um, Telstra and they were willing to try. I don't know how I got them to do it. I just, I didn't know any better. This conviction, let's do this. So we would create, we pretended we were a, a slide on a screen and then the presenter would say, click, and we would change shapes and he would explain what the scene was and people loved it. And every time then they were in my group with me, it created a safe space to play and be silly and, and be yes. authentic. Yes. And that, that whole concept sort of lended itself to your passion for supporting people who are in the startup area and, 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 and in business, didn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, because doing it alone, being a founder is hard. Doing it alone is even yeah. harder. So creating the right community so we can connect those dots and help one another. And there was also, I found a very different culture, business culture from the US, North America to down uh-huh. in Australia. There's a lot, there's a lot more fear and, and uh, aversion to risk is a lot higher here. Yes, <laughs> I agree. I agree. All of those points that you've made so far, Julie, it's good to hear someone from the outside actually put words to those what has been my experience as well the, the ingrained misogyny and the fear of doing something different when we just let go of those things magic happens um which kind of I want to go back to before you come to Australia and quickly just I'd love to talk about um Salesforce um, because I want to get to the bigger conversation around CEO. But before you got to Australia, you worked with Salesforce. Tell me about that experience as well and those conversations you alluded to earlier. Yeah, so I was a classroom teacher and a technology specialist in a middle school. Um, you know, so you talk about inverting norms. I was never the following the normal got pathways. I had met Mark Benioff in Israel in 1998. Now this was before, you know, we were still getting AOL on CDs and he wanted to sell software over the web. You know, that was crazy back then. And, you know, so that was interesting. And, but he also wanted to bridge the digital divide, which is where I was working in and making sure that teach schools and students had access to technology. This digital divide, unfortunately, has gotten big again with COVID and the access to technology. But so I spoke to him like, oh, that's what I get. That's really cool. And I said, Mark, if you're going to deal with kids and technology, you need to hire teachers. Don't just be a company that gives away money. Again, I really didn't know what I was talking about, but I just had that passion. And and he says, okay, why don't you move out to San Francisco and help me start the Salesforce Foundation? So I was there very early days and we got to build the the culture there of the the one 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 model. I was curriculum imagineer, technology inspirer and volunteer energizer was another title that I had. Yes. And so there wasn't a pathway written out already. There wasn't a roadmap. And so we could create this yeah. and take those risks because it was a safe space created. So that's what I like to do also, making sure that there's a safe space to take risks, to be silly, to take away that yeah. judgment. And um, so, yeah, I helped. I, gr- I grew up there, I say. I was there for 12 years. Oh, fantastic. Uh, amazing. And now I want to, so you started there, you replied to this amazing invitation, arrived in Australia, and then part of the work that you've been doing is around CEO. And as you know, I'm just as passionate about CEO as you are. So let's talk about CEO. Let's tell the audience about this glorious community for women. 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, when I came down here again, my predecessor had launched a, an organization while she was running the program I was running, said, if Annie can do this, I can do this. So I launched CEO mm-hmm. in the US because I was following um, what I call Vicki Saunders. She's the founder of CEO. So she's full credit. She's the outside thinker. What I refer to that TED talk about first followers, and she's the lone nut dancing out on the field. If you've ever seen this three minute TED talk, how to start a movement. And she was out there, the only one dancing, but it made sense and it was fun. And I was going to follow her. And she saw that systems are broken or so. No, let me reframe that. Systems are not working for everyone. They're working for the people that they were designed for. And so they're not working for everyone. And what I like to call the underestimated, not underrepresented, not disadvantaged, but the underestimated because they do things very differently. And um, women like you, women of all different ages and backgrounds across Australia, this is how I got to learn my states of Australia, um, have (laughs) have contributed to this fund and which gets loaned out at a zero interest loan to uh, women-led ventures that are working on the world's to-do list. Now, that's a nice way of saying the sustainable development goals. And yes. and it's um, so women get to, to I have year 12 girls or year 11 girls all the way up to year you know mm-hmm. 90 year olds. My mom is an act. They're yes. called activators. The women that contribute their yes. capital are called activators because it's not just, you're not a donor, you're not a, investor, you're activating your capital, your buying power, your network, your expertise. So it's been an amazing, and the women that show up, they get something different. Everyone gets something different out of it. So I'm going to actually throw this back to you. What I get out of it is this amazing network of women who are so keen to support one another. It's not a typical support network. I'm also getting to meet hundreds of amazing women who are leading companies and getting to to learn more about their companies. So and across the globe. So now I want to know, yes, you know, yes. what it's, what excites you or inspires you? Why do you love CEO? I, I think it's about that supportive community. So I've done a lot in um, the traditional business and in traditional networking sense. And I found, and this, this is not um, man bashing, but it's acknowledging that women do things differently, that we often act from an int- intuition and a knowing versus a logical, this is what you have to do. Yeah. And so for me, I was introduced by the gorgeous Marianne Anderson on the Gold Coast, who um, I sort of felt at the time <laughs> was almost a little bit talking but it, that wasn't it she was passionate yeah. about this group of women who supported yeah. other women at various stages of business and owning companies and starting up and pursuing ideas and entrepreneurship essentially and so I started um, a number of years ago and as a venture now when we talk about activators and ventures a venture is a startup or a small business or a company that has an idea that is worth spreading and worth working on and she EO funds you so the application process was the easiest I'd done grants and stuff before but the CEO application process for uh, capital fund investment was so seamless and so easy that I'm like wow this this is really good and then I got to start to hang around with those 
activators and ventures and discovered a group of women and a bigger community and a worldwide network of women that were heart centered, Julie. Like, I guess that's the biggest thing for me. The women that I've met in and around SHEO are all heart centered women. And they encourage these beautiful things in the network, including ask and give. And so another wonderful thing to learn as a woman, we give and give and give and give and give and give and give again, but we find it more difficult to ask. And that's one of the key things that I'm learning hanging out in CEO is that whole ask concept. So, Julie, there's a whole range of other things in and around CEO. Do you want to talk about some of those things that that for people interested in CEO? Yeah, well, the, you said there's so much in there. I wanted to go back to that question about love and business. So one of the ventures, yes. Yaz from World's Biggest Garage Sale, she is passionate yes. about that. And she will talk about that shouldn't be separated. And she's heart-centered. And she finds investors and supporters and advisors that get that. And it's not about the money. She mm-hmm. takes the money that has love wrapped around it. Um, yes. The other the other thing that I wanted to mention, you talked about the application process. So while yes. it's not just about getting capital, it's getting this network. And even that you weren't selected in the final end, the process in and of itself was, was very valuable. So applying mm-hmm. as a venture and the criteria to apply as a venture is um, minimum of 50K in revenue up to 2 million mm-hmm. in the last 12 years. It is structure yeah. agnostic. You don't have to be, you could be a nonprofit. So whatever you're, if there's earned revenue, yeah. it needs to be 51% women led and women owned. And that's pretty much yeah. the criteria. And then, as you mentioned, it's 12 questions. Don't overthink it because women yes. who are in year 10 to 97 are going to be reading the application. And I, it's interesting. I find a lot of women like, oh, it's not right. I can't, I don't think I should. It's the practice of applying is a process of marketing Mm -hmm. and exposure. I have, again, through the application process as an activator, I've met so many women and I have followed Mm -hmm. them. And if they didn't make it to the final end, they're still in the network. They're still in the community. We still lift them up. And then the yeah. final thing I want to talk about, the ask and the give, you talked about women, women love to give and yes, it's harder to yeah. ask. So flipping that on its side, if you're not asking, you're depriving women of the things that they love to do, which is yeah. give. So yeah. flip that ask on its side. Absolutely. And it then add to that. Um, weekly calls with amazing women that give you amazing insight into all things business and life. So it's not just business focused. It's about a whole greater range of um, information and knowledge that you get from hanging around and interacting with these women. And so I was reading a bit about Vicky Saunders just the other day, and it's still, I like to go back and read what her original vision was. And for those of you listening, this fund is an ongoing fund. So they give, Shio gives the money out, you pay it back interest-free over five years, and it creates a perpetual fund so that you can keep giving to generation after generation after generation of women-led enterprises. Um, And the rate with which that fund uh, is um, added to 
just keeps it going. It's a perpetual fund, isn't it, Julie? Yeah. Yeah. So our daughters, granddaughters, when we find it, when we ask them, so where'd you get funding? Well, duh, I went to CEO. So it will be a, a household name and, or concept because I just want to, we are very inclusive and sometimes the word yeah. CEO isn't the right inclusive word, but the concept, the culture, the energy, the message is what we're, we're all about. Um, I want to mention one other thing about being that inclusive and learning things differently in the calls that we have. Mm-hmm. Yesterday, we had this amazing global indigenous event, all led by indigenous women in the CEO network from Canada, the US, New Zealand, and Australia. And one mm-hmm. quote that I want to read that came out from Tara Fraser, one of the um, amazing activators, is the indigenous voice, worldview, and wisdom is what the world desperately needs and is the pathway home for every trouble before us. Absolutely. So listening to First Nations, to Native Americans, to Aboriginal culture, to Maori culture, there's wisdom in that. And Vicki takes a lot of that um, concepts on how to build a system that will work for more people. Yeah, I, I have to agree, Julie. We need to be tapping into that. This is ancient wisdom and knowledge. And if we just tapped into that, we could, you know, change the way humanity interacts the way that we support each other. And one of the things that drew me to Shio was the whole idea. Um, One of the first things I read was about the fact that women were so underrepresented in terms of gaining capital for their companies, their startups, their businesses. Um, That was the first thing that struck me because I'd encountered that throughout my life, that if you were um, male, white male in particular, then there were access to things that you could do before I could get anywhere, even as a white woman, but but less so if you were an Indigenous woman or a minority woman or uh, with an ethnic background that wasn't um, from a major a group. And and that was the first thing that struck me with Shio was that they they like supported the underdog, I guess you could yeah. say. Yeah, and and back to those systems again. It's not about looking for the next yeah. unicorn. It's not necessarily no. about the money. So getting capital also can be in the form of customers. You know, I'm going to go out and buy stuff from you, and you're going to get. That's one way of getting the revenue. The other yes. thing that happened because of COVID, many of the companies struggled, and this network. Yes rolled up their sleeves to make sure that these companies did not follow fall over in any way, shape, yeah. or form that they could. Yeah, it's a very powerful, dynamic network of women across the planet. So if you're in Australia, you have access to amazing, powerful women in the US, in the UK, in Europe. It's all over the place. And, and I know that Vicky's vision is to have it a household name. And I have no doubt that it will be a household name and the place where women go for support and a whole range of things. Um, yeah. Julie, I know that you're passionate about um, founders and startups. What is it about startups and foundation um, entrepreneurial um, endeavours that 
rises that passion in you? Yeah, it's um, it's like playing in a sandbox because these entrepreneurs, these founders are solving problems in the world that impact them mm-hmm. and, and they recognize it impacts others. So the fact that there's not a pla- a, a playbook that's written for them yet, they, they're mm-hmm. figuring it out as they go, you know, they go away. Yes. That's why my role, I wasn't a classroom teacher and fit the mold of every other classroom teacher. I was a technology specialist. So there was, yes. I couldn't be judged. You were outside. Against- I was outside, but I couldn't be judged like everyone else. And um, I, I color outside the lines. And that's what I love about entrepreneurs. They have less of this fear of taking risks. They're, they're passionate. Yeah. They're independent. They're not beholden necessarily to a corporate entity all, you know, of their pathway. And don't get me wrong. I can speak both languages and I have massive respect for both language startups and the corporates. Um, And I just love to see what they can do and watching the light bulb go on. That's part of the reason I went into teaching is that those aha moments. So I like to be like the producer behind the scenes and to see others help others thrive and have success. Yeah. And in that um, startup and founder group, you found certain patterns and qualities that you've seen play out and have a bigger impact. What are those qualities that you've seen, Julie? Yeah. Um, the first one that comes to mind is resilience. And because as a founder, as a, as a entrepreneur, you're going to get no, a lot of the times you're going to have to figure out how to redesign. Okay. This message didn't land. I got to try it again. And I actually did a fun activity with our founders at, at Mirror D, you know, um, Shark Tank or Dragon's Den, wherever you are in the yes. world, and where yes. the, vent- the the founders to come in and pitch to these sharks that are, you know, it's kind of scary. Yes. What I did was I, yes. I we co- we did a baby Shark Tank. Sorry for the earworm, oh. but baby Shark Tank, yes. where I had the yes. judges were um, kids ages seven to twelve, and the founders oh. had to pitch their company to the seven to 12 year old. So what made that they had to do was speak in a language that a seven to 12 year old would yes. understand, um, be open to feedback. Cause these seven to 12 year olds were very honest and it, it <laughs> opens up gaps or things that they may have missed and in getting them to reshape and reframe and think differently, um, and take advice, not all advice, because there's a thing called mentor whiplash or advisor whiplash, but just the resilience, the creativity, and um, just to to move on, that's one of the the things that's really uh, one of the patterns that I see often for successful founders. Yeah, 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 fantastic. One of the other things that um, I wanted to talk about in this interview was the other AI. What is it? So the other AI is what I call applied improv. So if you've seen the show, if you've ever watched improv, like whose line is it anyway? I've just been watching, um, mm-hmm. thank God you're here. Um, we improvise every day. We don't have a script. We don't know what's going to happen. And there are yeah. these principles of improv when, when you're playing with someone on stage. So there are these written, unwritten rules, which is saying yes and moving a scene mm-hmm. forward. If you watch a scene where someone's out there and saying, oh my God, isn't it a cold and chilly night? And the person's like, no, it's the middle of summer and it's morning. Well, the scene's dead. The scene's not going to happen. Whereas if you yeah. apply this yes and, like think about it in a business meeting where you're talking about here's an idea and someone shuts you down right away. 
no, that's not right. You can't happen. Mm-hmm. Are you going to contribute to the meeting again? Are you going to, it's really, it's very difficult to, to contribute again. Yes. The other, the other one of the other concepts is um, make others look and feel good. So when you're watching performers, improvisers, they are going to set each other up good and they have to be in the moment, in the present. We talked a little bit about that. We touched on like being in the present mm-hmm. and making, if you're making everyone look and feel good, you're going to look and feel good yourself. So side note, this is the next pandemic I want to create is making everyone look and feel good. No <laughs> vaccine required. And so if you're taking a lot of these principles that- Oh, that's a really good line. Steal it. Let's let's That's a make really good line. <laughs> <laughs> the next pandemic is making others look and feel good. No vaccine required. And listening yeah. with curiosity and being surprised. Mm. So when you're listening, you can't when you're on a scene and you don't know what the next line is, you really need to listen and pay attention and listen curiously. You can't have a line or how is the scene going to go next in your head? It's not going to work. So I I use games and activities and then debrief a lot of these games that you'll use as improvisers with people in the corporate and it builds confidence it helps with communication it helps with stepping in other people's shoes so we talked about authenticity vulnerability and that's what i call um applied improv now i i truth be told i I struggle with it sometimes because companies or people here hear the word improv and they're like i gotta be funny Uh I can't do that. It's scary. Or the word play, play is not serious enough for business. And truth be told, I, I struggle with um, how do I message this? Because play and improv, those are my words. Mm-hmm. How do I get into mm-hmm. selling this to other people? Um, but mm-hmm. I have found it to be medicinal, therapeutic, and meditation in action. And that's really what it's because you need to be in the present when you're doing it. So it combines all those fun things. Yeah. Julie, um, just I've been reading a few bits and pieces um, online and through newsletters lately about the changing face of corporate business. And um, on a post recently in um, LinkedIn, there was a big discussion about um, working from home and flexibility around corporate roles and in business. And there were a couple of comments that alluded to, oh, that's never going to happen. That's never going to happen. I actually believe, and I, and I want to discuss this a little bit further with you, I actually believe that there's um, a rising of feminine energy that needs to rise and that creates a different dynamic across the power houses of companies across the world and I absolutely believe that it needs to happen which means that those big companies need to consider doing business in different ways which allows for creativity, inventiveness, flexible workplaces and a different way of doing things. I feel really passionate about this, Julie. Do you feel the same? Do you feel that, like, I feel that in the next 10 years we will see business playing out in a different way and those that aren't embracing some of these different creative, inventive ways to do business will be left behind? Do you feel that? Yeah, I, I, I really do. I had a lot of thoughts going through my head um, while, you were, while you were sharing this. One thing that I did see, we didn't, so we were really, we were really lucky here in Australia. 
However, yes, I have lots of friends who, you know, the kid, the homeschooling, the small homes and the, the dads having a new role and having more understanding what mom had to go through. And I think a lot of them who are in corporate have a, a, hopefully more empathy for, for what needs to be done and being willing to change the system. And this, what's always been done is not necessarily going to benefit everyone. Plus the fact Mm -hmm. Because of it, people are moving outside of the cities and they're moving further away. I can, I can still get my work done and, and do all of this. And it's a different. So I think people need to let go of that fear. It's not a zero sum game. If you're lifting others up or up, you're not going to lose your own. You will, again, making others look good and feel good. You will you will rise with them. Talking about women, men and women or underestimated people, give them a chance and open those doors and and lead the pathway for them. But I do think things have changed with the technology. I've seen it change in the education space. You know, do you remember life without one of these, without an iPhone, without a Google Maps at your hand? So I do think because of this global pandemic, we are thinking differently. We are have to behave differently differently. Um, yes. and, and change the way things are done. So I d- definitely agree, but there's still some energy that needs to be shifted and yes. creating yes. safe I, space to do I, so. Agreed. 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 And, um, I, I, it comes back to, for the world to thrive and for humanity to thrive, there needs to be that balance between masculine and feminine energy. And at the moment, I, the feminine energy is not at a balanced level and I don't think that that's something that men need to fear because balanced energy will achieve wonderful outcomes in yeah. life, in, in business and in spirit. And I think that by embracing some of those concepts, we'll only have better businesses, have better corporations, have better companies and have better uh, conversations across the world. It can only be a good thing. Um, so the other thing that you've been working on in the background is this amazing company called Playful Purpose. Can you tell the audience about Playful Purpose, Julie? Sure. So Playful Purpose I've had for a while. I just, it goes back to my whole belief that play is how we grow. It's how mm-hmm. we learn. Um, I have from Piaget, everything we've learned is through play. And I work with companies on doing applied improv, sneaking in that play into the businesses. So it's a tool, it's a tech, it's a, if you will, a non-technical technology and how to apply this when you're in meetings, when you're having one-on-one meetings with your team, when you're talking to customers. So these are our strategies and I design workshops through that. Um, I also am working on with strategy and design thinking. And I have found, I I know I realize I can't do it alone. So facilitating workshops is finding is I know that I need a co-facilitator with, with Mm -hmm. that and, and, in these facilitated programs. So I just did a workshop with Playgroup New South Wales, which was a lot of fun. I mean, this was, if I didn't do play with Playgroup, that was just, I missed the boat. So we played with a whole bunch. We got them to, to live, not just talk about, but live their values. And um, I'm, I'm still figuring it out. I, I don't have it all nailed down. I still don't have the perfect website, even if the URL goes to a website <laughs> right now. But it's having fun and posting and having these conversations 
and um, throwing, you know, coloring outside the lines, throwing the spaghetti and, uh, and uh, making yes, sure that yes. play and working with purposeful companies. So I want to continue to work with underestimated founders, underestimated people that are solving real business problems, making the world a better place. I know that's a big fluffy word, but making per- people no, feel better, making yeah. um, it healthy. I was just going to say, for so for children, play is part of their natural state of being, but less we talk less about playing as an adult. And um, I'm thinking of Brene Brown and some of the work that she's done around the impact of play. But just how important is play or the concept of play for adults? Oh, it's huge. It's absolutely huge. And because we stopped playing because either we had this teacher that told us, no, this is wrong. You can't do this. And then you have that imposter. You have these voices that says, I can't, I can't, I can't. And you're in this fixed mindset. And it's a way to, I do games before we're doing brainstorming session and creating Mm -hmm. safe spaces. So people will play and be silly and fun in in safe spaces. The other word for play is curiosity. And that opens, it might be a safer word, but being curious, opening, asking questions. That's what kids do. The why, 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 why? And asking questions. Mm -hmm. And it's, it is part of our DNA that we've been, that's, that's shut down because this is the way it's supposed to be. And this is, this is the template we need to follow. And if you've, you know, through our whole conversation, inverting norms, you know, working with women and people who invert the norms and bringing this kind of stuff will get to the end of the goals, but through a different process and trying new ways. Absolutely. I have um, I have intense curiosity about everything. And, and if you were to talk to my husband, he would say that I am the Google queen because anything that I hear and I don't understand, or it's a word I don't understand, or it's a concept. I go- like I'm just Google because I'm constantly curious. So for me, curiosity is one of what I consider my superpowers. I'm genuinely curious about the people that I talk to and their journey and what led them to be here and what they went through. And I guess that makes it easy for me to talk to people live on air. But I wouldn't. I wouldn't have got to this point if I hadn't been curious about what if I took away that fear that stops me showing up on live broadcast shows what if I took that fear away and just did it anyway because I know that I'm already curious about people I know that by sharing and getting to the bottom of what people know and understand and sharing it with the world it's stories that connect people together and if you're curious about people's stories then you'll find gold nuggets of wisdom and knowledge that other people can use and that's the way we develop a better world and a better humanity um and really why do you think that i don't stop being curious it it has to be more than just they mature it has to be something else doesn't it that stops people being curious about this person's journey or that person's journey? I, I think it goes back to fear. 
and not being in a safe yes. space. You know, this is my comfort zone. This is what I know. I, and I'm this, I don't, I'm afraid to break that open. And this is what I've taught and this is what's around me. And also judgment, fear of being judged. Um, you know, I've, I, this is yeah. something that I've really learned a lot with CEO, the racial justice working groups and yes. the indigenous lens and being afraid, not being afraid to ask and, and literally trying to put on, on the lenses of, of others. So I think people, again, I go back to Carol Dweck's concept of growth mindset to fix mindset. You've had mm-hmm. that teacher, you've had, mm-hmm. you've had feedback that says you're wrong. And it's, it, that goes, and then to Brene's shame versus guilt. It's not about you it's yes. the actions yes. and, and, and getting that confidence back. And it's, it gets to be scary because at a certain age, you're supposed to mm-hmm. be, you're supposed to be one way. And um, so it's a combination of fear, judgment, and um, the unknown. And and we need people to be fearless because when people are fearless, they show up in a different way. So if I'd said um, a couple of years ago, oh, my God, I'm too scared to get behind a microphone or I'm too scared to show up on my video, then I wouldn't have gotten to have wonderful conversations with people like Julie Trell because there's people listening that need to hear what Julie has to say. There's CEOs listening who need to hear what Julie has to say because it might solve the problem they're having with their team and driving them forward. It's a different idea. It's different ideas and different concepts that drive drive us forward. And it's having those conversations that, that provide that information allow us to grow as as humanity and i really believe that in the next ticket next 10 years or so that we will see humanity grow more in terms of intelligence but also in in terms of spiritual knowledge and understanding and growth and how our minds function and that's important it is. It is. I'm, I'm really inspired about your journey as well. And you have been an inspiration to me. You know, you've got, you've started this podcast and you get to be curious every day and you get to, yeah. and I also want to add that you are making me look and feel good. So thank you for, you know, the beginning of this pandemic, patience, patience zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I discovered that my curiosity is not a bad thing. My curiosity helps make other people shine. And I couldn't have said that to you two years ago. I, I, I was an introvert. I was too scared to get on a phone call with someone I didn't know. There's no way if you told me two years ago that I would be speaking to this amazing um, person live on air and broadcasting all over the world, I would have laughed at you. But do you see, by taking on fear and by thinking outside the box and discovering that there is a different way of doing things, that not everything has to be traditional TV, traditional radio, traditional broadcasting, that you can create um, awareness and you can create shows in other ways, a different way of thinking. And yeah. I identify so much with everything that Julie's saying about 
hollering outside the box because I've always felt that way. I've yeah. always felt that I was the lone person in the room going, hey, but what about this? That, like, why have you not but looked at this? you're not the lone. The person going, you're not I'm, alone. I'm discovering that. I'm discovering. Look at this beautiful puppy on the screen here. This is Julie's gorgeous dog, Hershey. Did I say that right? Yep, Hershey, like the chocolate and the pronouns. Yeah. And she's this beautiful, fluffy, shaggy, gorgeous, cuddly dog. Playful. And Playful and curious. Yes, yes, yes. Playful and curious, and I was hoping that she'd make um, a spotlight in the show today so that we could show off how gorgeous she is. She is there. Yeah. Thanks, Julie. She's lovely. Um, Julie, this whole playful purpose uh, concept that you've been working on for a while now, you want that to become part of the norm with which we try and move organisations and businesses forward, don't you? Yeah, yeah. And I keep, I, I when you were telling your story, I, I flash back to my second grade teacher. And the reason I went into yeah. teaching was because of, her name was also Vicky, of all things. Yes. Um, yes. It was always color outside the lines. None of our art projects in the classroom all looked alike. And what I loved about her, we would make a picture or a drawing or whatever. And she would say, she wouldn't say, what's that? Because that is the judgment of mm-hmm. like, oh, no, it needs to look like something. She would always mm-hmm. ask saying, tell me about your picture. So it encouraged mm-hmm. conversation. It encouraged, and it's, it's really what you're doing also. It's encouraged conversation. And I could tell it from my point of view. And it was yeah. this beautiful, safe space. So I guess, you know, thinking back, recognize that creating a safe space for this to happen, for the creativity and plays is, is paramount for a thriving company, for um, customers, yes. for, you know, the, the, the safe space to be heard. That was the other thing that was yes. really big for me. And so with Playful Purpose, you know, that's what I want to instill. And I'm, I'm still, it's still new. I'm still marinating. I'm still being curious. Yeah. I'm, I'm still designing, which I will always be. I always say yeah. a lifelong learner or it's going to get boring. <laughs> lifelong player. And that's really what I would love to do. And and I think that the audience in the corporate space, being able to speak both the languages, if you will, um, yeah. is helpful. And again, also getting, getting comfortable with not being the expert, but being able mm-hmm. to hold space where people can figure out what they need to. I, when I do mentoring, um, I'm doing a couple yeah. working with founders. I say, I'm Glinda. Glinda the Good Witch. And everyone in this conversation is, you know, Glinda. If I'm where a lot of people in a room, because Glinda didn't give Dorothy the answer. Dorothy always had the answer with her. Glinda from Wizard of Oz. So just to put that in context, she always had the ruby slippers on. And all she had to do was, you know, tap into herself to get that answer. And and so I like to play either the producer or the Glinda, you know, different kind of roles and, and helping those light bulbs. Those I'm mixing so many metaphors here, the light bulbs, the ruby slipper, slipper clicks in, in corporate with, with managers, new managers, old managers, how to manage millennials, how millennials manage boomers, you know, all of that. Cause it's different. It's, It's different. It's a different conversation to have between the different, um, generations because we we all think differently but then that comes back to that curious mindset what is it that will draw that information because in any corporate um 
arena, there are answers to whatever issues or problems you have. You just need to ask the right questions. So getting curious will draw the creativity and the wisdom from the people that you're working with. And I can see in corporations across the world better conversations and better answers by asking better questions and being curious. So I can see where playful purpose can be that arena where those things happen and the the better questions and the better, you know, what's a different way of doing this that that gets the answers that we need or gets the outcomes we need. It's not working this way. So let's try another way. And you do that all the time, Julie. Yes. And, and, and again, when asking the right questions, also listening with that curiosity and what mm-hmm. sparks joy, you know, and, you know, yeah. a lot of the times we're having conversations and you're, you're thinking about what's the next thing I need to say and be right about it mm-hmm. and letting go of that, mm-hmm. of, of that mm-hmm. um, habit and, and opening up to what's possible of practice. I keep looking up here. Cause I, I wrote, this is my little, my sign about <laughs> oh, that's beautiful. See, that's the thing, Julie, it's stuff that inspires. It doesn't have to be perfect. It can be stick figures on a drawing. If you know what that means to you and that inspires you and, and, and gets the creativity going within your brain. I think that's the thing about women is their ability to create is often underestimated. You know, if you think about it, women have that it's built into us. It's an, it's an innate part of who we are is to be created we create other humans at the end of the day and we do that without thought don't we yeah yeah and and also having the tribe or the mob or the you know the tittas which is a indigenous word for sister who has your back I love I love that word it's beautiful isn't it it is it is and and just you know making sure that you're in a safe space again I keep talking about safe spaces to step out and do it no no that women are not going to judge you now I know then there's the other side of the story with the whole tall poppy thing which mm-hmm. is a phenomenon that I've watched. I was just going to say, Julie, was that, I'm Australian. I know what the tall poppy syndrome is and I've experienced it firsthand. How was that for you to discover that as, as an American gal coming into Australia and, and watching some of this tall poppy syndrome? We love to knock each other and it's so harmful. Yeah, well, I came from the other side of the spectrum where everyone uh-huh. was so was was their ego was so big and they exaggerated everything and yeah. everything was so awesome. Yeah, you know, and that yeah. works to a degree. And I wanted to figure out how mm-hmm. I could bring somewhere in the middle to this humble. You know, uh-huh. pop is a little bit about the humbleness because people don't want to stick their head up. Um, I haven't. I think I know a little bit why is Australia is a lot smaller. It's a country of yes. 25 million versus in the U S it's a lot, it's, you know, 330 million. And yeah. um, so you're, you're keeping track of your own stuff and your, your little slice of the mm-hmm. pie and your crumb versus mm-hmm. being a, building a, a bigger, baking a bigger pie. But I, I don't know. It's watching from the outsides. I just want to push people and say, you know, go and do this. And it's that judgment thing. It's the judgment thing. If yes, I go out there, somebody's going to judge me and people need to stop judging 
And Brene Brown yes, they has do. that be- Brene Brown has that beautiful quote um about being in the in the ring. The, the arena. The arena. I love it. That's my favorite yeah. quote of all time. If you're not in the arena, then you you don't have the right to criticize. So um I often I've got that in my room and I often read it because I'm I'm conscious of that all the yeah. time. That and how dare so- you let me go back to with that, with a lot of the, the principles yeah. of improv, if you've ever taken workshops or classes, you have to let that go. That's the other part of what mm-hmm. improv can, you know, you move forward. And I've been in classes and jam sessions. Oh, I should have said that. I should have said, but more you <laughs> practice it, the more you get, you let go and you move on. And, and that yeah. will help also letting go of the judgment and what other people think when you're in that yeah. safe play environment. Um, as you know, my um, platforms are based in America, so I actually get the privilege of talking to a lot of Americans um, all the time. And I have to say that um, I haven't actually come across a lot of uh, egos, mostly because I try and work with heart-centered entrepreneurs um, and female business owners. Um, but every now and then I'll come up across that big American ego and it kind of almost bowls me over and my Aussie, oh, my goodness gracious me, kind of, oh, wow, okay. But, yes, it uh, I know that it was a struggle for me to get past mm. that tall poppy syndrome thinking that I wasn't worthy, but everyone is worthy. Everyone has the power to stand in their own space. Um, and again, as Brene would stand on your sacred ground, don't puff up, don't uh, be small, but stand in your sacred ground. And it's taken me, and I know a lot of other women that I talk to, it takes a while to find your space and your sacred ground. And I love that that taps into the idea of our Indigenous um, populations and their sacred ground. It, it reminds me that you own a, a space in this world and that's important. And it, your job is to find what that space is and stay stay in that space because yeah. from all from that space, all good things grow and flow and are beautiful. And we need to remind people. It's also it's the, the validation on the positive side. We need to remind them that they need to be there, that they are there. I was just at a conference and I said just this. Um, we need to make them look and feel good. That's, you know. Yes. Absolutely, Julie. Absolutely. I've just looked at the time and realized that we are completely out of time. <laughs> I'm really just so privilege to have you on the show Julie um I to have you say that I've created a safe space for you to be who you are makes my absolute day because behind everything that Radio Tony and Tony TV does is about creating a safe safe space for people to shine because when they do their wisdom and knowledge is on display for the universe and there will be someone out there that needs to hear Julie Trell's words today and I'm so happy I was able to facilitate that. Julie thank you so much for being on Radio Tony Everyday Business Um, audience um, it's been a privilege having Julie if you want any information about Julie or how to connect with Julie please jump onto radiotony.com you will find Julie's information on my website for those of you listening live all the links will be up in the chat boxes across Facebook LinkedIn YouTube 
everywhere else as we go off air today. Julie Trell, thank you so much. Thank you, Tony. I'm going to let you go. And my audience, that's it for today. Big hugs for that puppy, Julie. She's now chill. Chill puppy. Oh, good. (laughs) And audience, we will see you next week. I'm your host, Tony Lontis, and bye for now. 